0: Um, I really want you to kind of grasp who God is, and the title of my sermon today is, Who Do You Think You Are? Now, normally when we use that phrase, it's like, you know, it's kind of like we got an attitude behind it. It's like, who do you think you are talking to me that way, you know? Anybody ever said that to your children? Anybody ever said that to your spouse? Do not raise your hand, because you might get in trouble. But yeah, we you know normally we use that phrase in kind of like a you know you know uh, kind of bowing up and you know getting upset with somebody. Like, Who do you think you are talking to me that way? But Proverbs chapter twenty three and verse seven says this: "As a man thinks in his heart, so is he." I kind of let that drop just a minute, and you've probably heard that before. But as a man or woman thinks in their heart, so is he. Now. Now, I'm not talking about the pride side this morning because there is kind of a cockiness that some people have. You know, they think they're awesome, they think they're bad at the bone, and uh, they think they're all that and a bag of chips. And they really should be taken down a notch or two. But let me just, I'm not a psychologist or a psychiatrist or anything like that, but I've done enough reading, and I I definitely don't have a college education to back it all up, but I've done enough reading to know that normally when somebody is cocky and got this pride, it's a cover-up. Because inside, they really don't feel that, all, uh, feel that great about themselves on the inside, which is really sad when you think about it in that light. Somebody comes off cocky, and, you know, I'm this and that, and I'm going to tell you what I think, and, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And, and, and then, then they try to cover that and say, I'm just being real. No, you're just being mean, you know. Generally, it's a cover-up because they're really hurting and, and scarred on the inside, and they're just trying to cover it up to convince you and them. Well, they're really trying to convince themselves, too, that they've got it all together when they don't. And so, but I, 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 I'm hoping that with this message today that you're going to hopefully kind of get more of a grasp of getting it together for real with Jesus on the inside. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Now, now, I kind of want to do, do a rapid fire of scriptures here, so we're going to have to read real fast, but they'll be up on the screen, hopefully. Hopefully, I gave them the right files and they're cool up there. But anyway, John chapter 10, verse 10. Let's read this together. And it says, The thief comes not, uh, does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And we know that. We've heard Jesus say that. Uh, you know, you've probably heard this scripture many times. The, the thief comes, you know, the enemy, Satan, the enemy of our soul, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's the only thing he comes for. Now, he'll try to make you think uh, that he's your buddy uh, by making you think that this is a good thing or this is going to make you happy and, uh, and try, to be your, you know, try to play to your feelings and everything and wind up leading you into things that you know you should not do. But he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. It's all a facade. I have come, Jesus says, that they may have life and have it more abundantly. Now, I like the way that one's put, have it more abundantly. Uh, some versions say have life to the full, and uh, and, and that's good, and I, I don't necessarily think that that's a bad interpretation, but I like the more abundantly because when you have abundance, you're full. And, and when you think abundance, a lot of times you think overflowing. And so to have it even more abundantly, which is really a... Um, I guess it's bad English. <laughs> you know, how do you have something more than, than abundant already? But in God, you know, that's, you know, God does the impossible, right? Anyway, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus has come that you might have life. And so I'm going to kind of do a rapid, rapid fire of scriptures. And I really want you to place yourself in these scriptures because I believe God is talking to you this morning. So are you ready? All right. If you're taking notes, you're going to have to write pretty fast so that I don't run out of time. Romans chapter 15 and verse 13, it says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. That's pretty good. Isaiah 58 and verse 11 says, And the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in, the, in scorched places and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water, whose waters do not fail." That sounds pretty good too. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. You've probably heard these, but it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths or make your paths straight or make them a little bit easier to walk on. He's going to direct your paths. One of the most, uh, fam- uh, the most famous scripture in the Bible, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus said, I am come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Romans 6, 23 says, for the wages of sin is death, but the the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. Are you getting a good idea of what God wants for you? John 1 and 12 says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the power and the right to become the children or the sons of God. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, one of my most favorite scriptures, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Are you glad that you are new this morning? Psalm 135, 13 through 14. Uh, I'm sorry, Psalm 139, verses 13 through 14 says, For you formed my inward parts. God, you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it. Very well, First Corinthians two verse nine says, "But as it is written, eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love Him." Now, before you go off thinking that I am talking about some sort of prosperity, name it, claim it, gospel, I'm not talking about that. But God wants you to live life to the full, to have life more abundantly. He doesn't want you to be bound and, and drawn out. He doesn't want you to be discouraged. He doesn't want you to feel defeated. He wants you to be victorious. And I think by the scriptures, and this is just, this is just scratching the surface of what God's word says about us and who we are and who He has called us to be. I believe that God is saying he wants us to have life and have it more abundantly. Would you not agree this morning? Does that encourage you this morning? As a man thinks in his heart, so is, so is he. Now, there was a, a pastor that I worked for for a couple of years up in uh, uh, southeast Indiana. And uh, he, was a, he was a pretty cool guy. In fact, one of the things, when I, I, I went there to interview, um, and it's in my way younger years I was in, um, I moved there at the end of 1998. It's hard to think back that far now. Now it's almost 20 years ago. Wow, I'm getting old. Um, and my hair is thinning in the back. I'm about to shave my hair off And go bald, but anyway, yeah, I just rambled, sorry, I just kind of went off, <laughs> but anyway because um, uh, i 'm not going to go bald like my dad. I love my dad, but i 'm not going i 'm not going to just anyway we won 't talk about my dad later respect, respect, respect so um, but uh I had gone to Alabama for a short time, and, and that didn't really necessarily work out, and that was my first full-time position, and some things shifted and changed there, and so I found myself uh, interviewing again, and through that connection with the church in Alabama, this pastor calls me from southeast Indiana and calls me up to it for an interview, and I really, after I had talked to a couple of other pastors at a couple other churches, I went up there to kind of fulfill my commitment with all intentions of telling him no, and when I got up there, he, uh, um, some of the things that he said to me, of course, I, I went up on a Wednesday night and led worship for the Wednesday night. It was the most horrible experience I ever experienced in my life when it came to music. The sound was horrible. I sounded terrible. I'm like, this is done. I'm, he'd just be like, oh, see ya. And I'm like, there's no way I'm doing this. And so, uh, but one thing that he said to me, he said, I, I, want to, I want to partner with a young man like yourself, and I want to be able to, the leadership and things that I've learned as a minister, I want to be able to pour that into you and to someone like you. And so then I went back home and I'm like torn. <laughs> I'm like he wants to not only just come and have me do a job, he wants to invest in who I am. And so I spent almost I spent 2 years with him and it was uh, it was a really Growing time for me, and I learned a lot of things when it came to leadership. I wouldn't say I'm perfect, but I learned a lot more than I, I did know at the time, and so I was blessed by that. But there was one thing that he said quite frequently uh, from the pulpit and in conversation. He said, and, and I want you to uh, say this to someone, so find, find a neighbor, and preferably this right now, find someone that you don't know if you can, if they're close enough. And I want you to just look at them real quick, and this is what this pastor would say, and I think it was good. So look at somebody, find you somebody to look at. You ready? Okay. So tell them, you know, in, in an eye, with a smile, say, you need a checkup from the neck up to get rid of your stinking thinking. <laughs> now turn to someone you do know and point at them. <laughs> Are you ready? And say, you need a checkup from the neck up to get rid of your stinking thinking. Now some of y'all need to repent because you enjoyed that way too much. But we have some stinking thinking. And I, I, that, that phrase always stuck with me. You need to check up from the neck up to get rid of your stinking thinking. And, but how many, how many lies have you bought into in your life? Uh, when you were a child, and, and, you know, I was a child at one time, believe it or not. But when you were a child, you had dreams. You had visions. You, you would vision yourself doing, you'd watch a superhero movie, guys. And then after the movie was over, you'd want to be Superman. And so you would go, and you tied tie a blanket around your neck, and you'd start going soaring through the house. You're jumping off your bed and all that stuff. And your mom's like, don't jump on the bed. Don't jump off. You're going to break your leg. But you wanted to be Superman, right? Uh, thank you. we got some people who aren't liars. Some of you are like, no, I never wanted to be. Yeah, I was too cool for that. But, you know, and then uh, ladies, you had dreams too. You had, you know, I don't even know what you dreamed of, but you, you had dreams too, you know. Some, maybe you wanted to have a family. Maybe you wanted to be a mom. You know, Maybe you wanted to be a doctor career. Maybe you wanted to stay far away from children. Um, yeah, I don't know. But you had dreams and visions. And then, then what happens? With, with those dreams and visions that, that you have, what happens? Life starts happening. Get a little bit older. You start becoming more aware of things. And different situations and circumstances come up to start crushing some of those dreams. And... I mean, we could go and just dig through a lot of things, and I could name a lot of things. But I just want you, to kind of person, to think, what crushed the little girl dreams in your life? What crushed that boy who wanted to just be a superhero? What crushed those dreams that halted you every time that you thought of something big? And when I begin to think of those, my heart breaks because there are things that come along that say you can't. That you'll never amount to anything. Quit daydreaming, cause it'll never happen. I mean, how hurtful is that? You know, you're stupid. You're you're an idiot. I I, I you know I you're the reason that your mom and I broke up. You're you know. If you tell someone about what I did, I'll kill your mom and I'll kill your brothers and I'll kill your sisters or I'll kill the you know, I'll hurt you, or you know, whatever. And different things happen to us that literally crush the dreamer within us. And so then we have a battlefield that goes on up here that stops us from becoming who God has meant us to be in Christ. And because of those obstacles, maybe, maybe you didn't have a, a hard childhood or, or difficult time that happened, but, but you still go through and, you, and, and you, you have things that just, be it your personality, be it who you are, and just there's something within you that just keeps you from having that full potential in Christ. Now, this was a, an observation and a thought that, that um, I felt like the Lord gave me, and, and so hopefully it'll make sense, but sometimes some of the things I say don't make too much sense. And so that's why I pray, God, please let me communicate well. But just as a thought or an observation, God is the dream giver. And what do I mean by that? God is the dream giver. I believe that God places in each of us dreams and visions. He also gives us talents and abilities. You know, you're not like me, and I'm not like you. You're probably thankful for that. But you have your own uniqueness that God has created your own special talents and giftings. And I believe in those talents and giftings are clues to what God has meant for you and purposed in your life. I believe that as if we are truly seeking God out of a selfless heart and that we truly want God to have his way in our life, then the little dreams and visions that start flickering in our hearts might just be from him. Did you hear me? Those little dreams and little things that start to flicker in our hearts just might be from him if you're truly saying, God, I want what you want. God, I want to do what you want. How many have ever said, have ever prayed the prayer, God, uh, just tell me your plan for my life. I just want to do what you want me to do. Just tell me. You know, we've all prayed that prayer. And we're like, God, if you could just send me a blueprint, an instructional manual, I will follow it to the T. Anybody ever prayed that? Some of you still praying that. Just quit praying it. He said, "Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path." He didn't say I was just going to illuminate everything for you. I mean, when he when he called Abraham, what did he say? He's like, "I want I want you to pack your bags, get your family, get your stuff, and I want you to, um, yeah, I want you to go that direction, and I'll show you where I'm going to take you later." That's pretty much what he did. I've always been amazed at that story, and then Abraham did it. So yeah, pack your bags and just head that direction. I'll tell you about it later. And how many you know I, I've had that experience in my life and it's like I just I just kind of got an inkling that I'm supposed to go that way and I don't know what it means I don't know what's going to happen but you start going that direction and really and really what I really believe and I could be wrong and hopefully you know if, if I'm wrong the Lord correct me when i'm you know, when I'm in heaven, but I believe that the Lord purposely keeps those things from us. Number one, to build our trust in him, that he knows what he's doing and he's got everything taken care of. I also believe on the flip side of the coin that if he showed you everything that you were supposed to do and everything you were going to go through to be the completed work in Christ, that you'd be like, uh, yeah, that looks good, but I'm not making that appointment. That, can we just skip? Around that, I'm not going through it. And we'd probably would be like, yeah, you know what, I'll just take the nominal life, and I'll just sit down in the easy chair, and I'd rather do something easier because if you've gone through any difficult situation that broke your heart and made you cry, you probably would have traded that had you known you'd gone through it, right? But if you hadn't gone through it, you have to look back and realize that your character would not be developed to where it's at. You see, I've always prayed this. Uh, the pastor I worked for in Michigan, he, he would say this in his sermons uh, many times, but a lot of times that we will get risen to a level in life that our character cannot sustain us. That's why you see preachers fall all the time and, and ministers who are these big famous guys and, and, and famous musicians and artists and all that stuff, and then they fall miserably um, to temptations and, and, and crash and, and burn. And they are just an embarrassment to the, the Christian faith. Why? They've got risen to a level that their character could not sustain them. And so I, I've like, I was like, God, please build my character. Don't rise me to any kind of level that my character cannot sustain me because I don't want to be an embarrassment. I don't want to embarrass myself. I'm just being honest. You know, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to lose any credibility or lose my integrity and so I'm like, God, you know, yes, I have dreams of grandeur and doing big things for you, but please don't let me rise to, rise to a level that my character will let me down. Do you understand what I'm saying? Is that, do you follow me on that? And so we have these dreams and these visions that, that are in our lives that get crushed through life's circumstances. But I believe that God is the dream giver, that he gives us dreams and visions. He, he, he purposes in our heart for things. And so that thing that would give you that excitement, I, I believe that that's God placed Unless for some reason you're living in sin and you're, 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 your heart is turned away from God and you're just going after selfish ambition. If your heart is turned toward God, God's the dream giver and those dreams. In those dreams, we can find our purpose as I'm going on with this thought. Life throws those curves and the enemy of our soul tries to use those curves to crush our dreams, thus distracting us from our purpose. But God uses those curves to shape us for our purpose, thus giving us the potential to fulfill the dreams that He's placed in our heart. But the perspective is our choice. How you perceive those curves and those things that, that kind of distract you, and that you see, my, I'm going after the dream, and then you get set back, and, and uh, this curve happens, and that curve happens, you get set back. The perspective on that is yours. You can get angry, you can get mad, you can get bitter, or you can choose to let God shape you into what he's called you because a baby eventually walks no matter how many falls, bumps, or bruises. Think about it. You will walk. You will get there. It will happen because God said, I've begun a good work in you, and I will be faithful to complete that work in you if you'll just trust me, if you'll just let me do my work. But like I said, we have life's dreams that get crushed, <clears throat> disappointments, hurtful things that have been said, broken family, divorce and separation, abuse, physical, verbal, sexual abuse, guilt. Bad choices, relationships, broken promises, anger, depression, hopelessness, abandonment, loneliness, and on and on and on it goes. How many have ever been in any of those categories? You've been angry, you've been lonely, you've been bitter, you've been you've been hurt, you know, somebody has said things, done things that they should have never done, and they should, they knew better, they should have protected me, protected my heart, instead they took advantage of me, or, or, or this, or that, or these things begin to happen. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, which has been a life scripture for me always, and I pray it. Constantly. Uh, Paul says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service or your spiritual act of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why do we need to have our mind renewed? Because we need to check up from the neck up to get rid of our stinking thinking. Because we've had so many things said to us, so many lies of the enemy that has told you you can't, you won't, it's impossible, you'll never amount to anything, you're not good enough, you're not going to make it. Paul says we need to be renewed in the mind. We need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind so that we can prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So now I'm going to use an unusual story, and I, for this, for the next few moments, and I hope, I hope that you'll you'll follow me on this and, and not get too large, uh, too lost. I like I like kind of using these little metaphors that kind of make us think. So go with me. Are you ready? Okay. John the Baptist. We know he was. He was the predecessor of Jesus. He came. He was the voice of one crying in the wilderness, saying, "Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand." He said, "He said that there's one coming after me who is the Messiah, and uh, whose shoes I'm not worthy to, to uh, sandals I'm not worthy to latch or unlatch. Uh, you know this this dude is it. He will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire." And when Jesus came over the over the hill, and John the Baptist is is there baptizing people, and he sees Jesus off in the distance, he rears back and he says, "Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world." He was the pre, uh, He was the prophet that Jesus said is the greatest was the greatest of them all was the greatest prophet. And if you if you don't believe me, go search in the Gospels. Jesus said himself, "This is the greatest prophet of them all." He finds himself put in prison because of something he because he stood up for the truth, and he finds himself in prison. By Herod. Now, when you go and read this story in John, uh, I'm sorry, Ma- in Mark chapter six, when you go and read this story, Herod actually kind of liked John. He 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 liked what he had to say. I think he may have been mesmerized at his communication skills. Who knows? But he liked what he had to say until one day, John says, "Hey, uh, why did you take your brother's wife? She's off limits, pal. It's not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. It's adultery. Okay." And so we find, find the situation, you know, Herod didn't really like it. But, of course, Herod respected this man. He was the, he was the greatest prophet of, the, of them all. But the wife, Herodias was her name, and she didn't like him and didn't like that he called the two of them out. Because she was married to Philip, Herod's brother, and Herod and, them had, Herod and her had a thing going on, so he took her as his wife. Committed adultery. It was wrong. How many would agree that's sin? Okay. Hopefully you're with me. And so she, it says in, in the word as it goes along, and I'll just kind of give you the paraphrase of the story, she began to nurse a grudge against John the Baptist. Now, what happens when you nurse a grudge? Well, I was going to illustrate this morning, and I was going to have a, a baby doll, and I was going to hold the baby doll here and kind of illustrate a nursing mother, which probably would have been a bad visual this morning, <laughs> would you not agree? So, I think we all get the picture, right? In fact, I hope I don't get in trouble for this, but there's a story. Rachel's looking at me. There's a story I heard. I, I grew up. I grew up here in in, in Middle Georgia, and and uh, and and traveling with my family, we traveled to a lot of country churches out in the middle of nowhere. I can't, some of these churches, I'm like, where did they find this piece of land and decide, hey, we want to build a church? It's 45 miles from town, but, you know, and then people show up. I was like, it was, it was crazy. And so we've been to a lot of, I've seen some really crazy things, some down-home country folk. I mean, we've, we've, uh, we've sung and we, we would get through a song. And so, you know, in, in, uh, normal society, nah, that sounds like I'm putting somebody down, but you know, normal people, you know, when you finish a song, they clap the hands and all that kind of stuff, and we had finished the song and silence. And we couldn't tell, are we too loud? Are we. Do you not like it or whatever? And then, of course, at the end, that was just the thing. They just didn't do it, you know. They just didn't clap hands. And, and, uh, and so it, but at the end of the thing, they were like, oh, you guys did an awesome job and all that. I used, to tra- I used to travel with my dad and my brother, and we'd sing all over the southeast and everything. So, and then, but anyway, I was talking with this one pastor, and, uh, and he said that uh, he was out in one of these little country churches. And, um, and, so, and there was this lady that was sitting on one of the pews and uh, before service started, and she was trying to nurse her baby. And so she's like, and, and apparently the baby was not hungry or something. I don't know. But she was, she was going like this. She's like, take it. Take it. You better take it. Come on now. You need to take it. If you don't take it, I'm going to give it to pastor. You need to take it. I probably just will never preach here again. <laughs> anyway, I just kind of want to give you some humor. But, but anyway. But, you yeah, know, that, that was country for folks. But anyway, back to what we really should talk about. <laughs> sorry. I, sometimes I'm too real. I'm racist. Uh, anyway, I'm sorry, Rachel, so please forgive me. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, when a, when a mother nurses her child, life is leaving her body to sustain the life of another. And... Without that nourishment, that baby will not survive, right? Of course, we have, you know, supplements today and all that kind of stuff. But the general principle is is that life from her is literally leaving her body to sustain the life of another. But if you take that same analogy and you nurse a grudge, you nurse a hurt, you nurse a pain, Life is leaving your body to sustain the life of something that is just taking from you and sucking the life out of you. And so with Herodias' grudge, it was the other baby in the home. When she would go to bed at night, the baby would be right in between them. She hated John, and she was angry that he called her out, that that he called King Herod out. She was angry. How many times have you gotten angry when somebody said, that's sin, that's wrong? And how many times have you ever had somebody tell you wrong, and you got mad, but you knew they were right? If you're any kind of person of integrity, you'd be like, you're right, you'll humble yourself, and you'll repent, but what do we do as Americans now? We're going to stand up for ourselves. What do you mean you're telling me I'm wrong? And we get all bowed up and we get, I let pride take over. And don't you realize that the Bible says that pride goes, is the predecessor of a fall. It will destroy you. And she was so angry. And, and, he would, and she would bring that baby to the bed and she would nurse that grudge. And she'd be like, did you feed John today? Did you feed him slop? You shouldn't feed him at all. You should kill him for what he said, speaking out against us. Like Who does he think he is? We're the king and the queen. At the dinner table, it was the other baby with the other children at the table and and she'd be like, you know, you shouldn't feed him. You should be killing him and and I hate him and you need to do something about it. And if you love me, just take that arm and twist it. But Herod feared John because of who he was and the following he had so he wouldn't do anything but the longer you begin to nurse something that is just bleeding the life out just sucking the life out of you eventually you'll figure out a plan to cut off the spirit of God in your life to cut off the voice of correction the voice of direction The voice that guides you and tells you, no, don't do that, but do this. This way will lead to destruction, but this way will lead to life. I know you feel like you want to do this, and I know it feels good at the moment, but just because it is good doesn't mean that it is good, that it's God. Just because it seems like it's good doesn't mean that it's God. She nursed that, and she nursed that. So there came a day. Here's having a birthday party. Had all his dignitaries and his lords over and and, uh, maybe even kings from other, other nations and stuff like that. Had a big party. So she had her daughter. She used her daughter to go and dance before the king and all these men. These things that suck the life of you will cause you to use other people for your own benefit. Will cause you to selfishly use other people because you can't let it go. And so she had her daughter begin to dance. And by the picture that's painted, it was erotic and sensual. Why else would she be sent? And it pleased Herod. Of course, he liked it. It pleased Herod and all the dignitaries so much that, that Herod was like, wow, that was amazing. I will give you anything that you want, even to the half of my kingdom. And so guess what she goes and does? She goes back to her mom and says, Mom, what do you want me to ask for? She said, I want the head of John the Baptist on a platter. She had figured out a way to try to shut up the voice of God that was in their life. And so she sent her daughter back and her daughter said, that's what I want is John the Baptist's head. And Herod was saddened. Herod was regretful that he had ever done that, but to keep his word because he promised in front of everybody, if I can't fulfill this, I'll give you anything you want up to half my kingdom. And so he went and he had John the Baptist's head cut off, thus silencing the voice of God. These things that are in your life and these things that... that that. Um, that keep you distracted from what God is trying to speak into your life, the voice of correction, the voice of direction, those, those, the voice in your head, the Holy Spirit that's trying to speak to you. But you're, 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 you're nursing this grudge, or you're nursing this pain, you're nursing this, this hurt that somebody did, this bitterness, this loneliness. You're, you're nursing these lies and you're giving life to them and it's just draining the life out of you. So I'm asking you, what are you nursing? What are you sustaining the life of? Are you beheading and putting to death the very thing or person that would bring you life just because you won't let it go? So let's read some scripture because that's where the word of God comes in and where the, the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, right? Piercing to the dividing asunder sundry of even soul and spirit. It gets down deep. And so are you ready? Are you okay so far? Jeremiah chapter 33 verses 1 through 9 says, Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the second time, while he was still confined in the court of the guard, saying, Thus says the Lord who made the earth, the Lord who formed it to establish it, the Lord is his name. Call to me, and I will answer you, and I will tell you great and mighty things which you do not know. For thus says the Lord God of Israel concerning the houses of this city and concerning the houses of the kings of Judah, which are broken down to make a defense against the siege ramps and against the sword while they are coming to fight the Chaldeans and to fill them with the corpses of men whom I have slain in my anger and in my wrath, and I have hidden my face from this city because of all their wickedness. Sounds like a bunch of chaos, doesn't it? Here's what the word of the Lord says. Behold, I will bring to it, or place you in there, I will bring to you health and healing, and I will heal you. And I will reveal to them an abundance of peace, and truth. I will restore the fortunes of Judah and the fortunes of Israel and will rebuild them as they were at first. I will cleanse them from all their iniquity by which they have sinned against me, and I will pardon all their iniquities by which they have sinned against me and by which they have transgressed against me. It will be to me, or you will be to me, a name of joy praise and glory before all the nations of the earth which will hear of all the good that I do for them and they or you will fear and tremble they will fear and tremble because of all the good and all the peace that I make for you now that should make somebody shout I will bring to you health and healing Amidst the chaos, I will bring to you health and healing. And God has it in his heart for you to realize this, that you do have a purpose. You have a gift. You have a reason for existence. You have a reason for being here. You're not just some happenstance. You're not just some accident. You have a purpose, and God has designed a plan for you. And I know you've probably heard that many times. And the enemy of your soul would like to say, "Uh uh-uh, it's not true about you may be true about your neighbor. It may be true about so-and-so or somebody else, but it's not true about you. It is true about you. God has designed you. God formed your inward parts in your mother's womb. God knew who you were and set a plan for you. That's why we use the Scripture, Jeremiah 29, 11, over and over again, that God has a plan for you, plans to prosper you, to bring you hope and a future, to turn away your captivity, to free you from bondage to build the old waste places in your life so that you become a city of God and so that you are built up as a most holy place, I mean, so that you become the royal priesthood, the holy nation, the peculiar people, a chosen generation, that you may show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I don't know about you, but that's what I want said about me, that I am a chosen generation. I am a royal priesthood and a holy nation, a peculiar people. I'm weird. <laughs> that I can show forth the praises of him who has called me out of darkness and set me free. You were created by him for something special, and he does have a plan for your life. And then this, this is the last scripture I'm going to read here. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 26 to 31. I know I've thrown a lot of scripture at you. I hope that's okay. Just the more I, I had to cut back because I, I said, like, I can't read more. I can't read more just because it's just going to take too long. But it says, lift up your eyes and look to the heavens who created all these things. He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls forth each of them by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Why do you complain then, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel? Why do you say, Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord. My cause is disregarded by my God. Why do you complain? Why do you say, God has forgotten about me? Because he hasn't. Do you not know? Have you not heard the Lord is the everlasting God? the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. So here's what he does. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even young people grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength They will mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. But there is an ever daunting question that faces us all. And it's a question that probably is where we really have the real difficulty in living life and accepting all that I have presented to you this morning, that really, hopefully, that God has spoken through me this morning, presenting to you that, God does, that Jesus said, I came to bring you life and that you might have life more abundantly. He wants you to be free. He wants you to be healed of that wound and I understand that things are a prog- process and that, that life's a journey and sometimes we get over one aspect of it and then it seems like we, we, we experience that joy and that mountaintop but then all of a sudden we're having to discover another level of the pain or another level of the hurt. or you know. And I, and I know it's a process. But I, I want to encourage you not to let that kill your momentum or kill your motivation. To stay on track with what God has meant and called you for. And we are faced in a day and time. And this question I'm about to present to you is, is probably the most important question of the hour that we have. With the day and time that we're living in and with what we're facing, the doubts that are out there, the, the all these doctrines that are out there, and well, no, it's this way, it's that way, and oh, we're all going to heaven somehow, some way, you, you know, it's, you know, uh, you know, that it's, it's like Jesus didn't even have to die, it's, we were going to heaven anyway, and, and, and Nick's the whole plan of salvation, that, that that Jesus came, and that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, that, that if we call on the name of the Lord, then we shall be saved, and you know, maybe I'm an idiot, but you know, there's just clear scriptures that I think spell it out that we have to accept the plan of salvation, that we have to accept the sacrifice and say yes to Jesus. Otherwise, there's an alternative direction that we head that doesn't end so well. It's kind of hot. You know? And I know, it's controversial nowadays and everything. And so, if, you know, if, if I'm wrong, then I pray God correct me. But Jesus came that we might have life, and we have to accept that life. But are you ready for the question? The question is, do you trust him?
1: Could all that is lost ever be?
0: you. Yeah. Like I said, do you trust him? Worship team, if you go ahead and get ready. Um, That can be one of the hardest things that you might have to face. Because I don't know your story. I also know that the outcome may not be quite you think it is or think it's supposed to be. Um... But it's a leap of faith. In Hebrews chapter 11, it says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Yes, God is calling you out into uh, (laughs) the glorious unknown. Did you ever watch that Indiana Jones movie in the last crusade? And they're going through the clues there. You know, one was the the penitent man, and he was like, penitent means humble, so he he, he uh, goes to his knees just in the right time before a blade, you know, where everybody else's heads roll. And uh, goes through and trusting in the name of the Lord and finding the name of the Lord and, and uh, walking in that. Because there's power in the name of Jesus. And then the final one, there's just this great chasm. This, you know, you just fall off into the abyss. And it talked about the leap of faith, got to have faith. So if you remember the movie, he's like swallows great big and he steps out. But his feet, though it looked like they were suspended in air, his feet met with the solid rock Christ Jesus. That's what it is for us. No, that was a movie representation. But I think it gives a great visual that, yes, it is a leap of faith for you this morning. But if you'll just go ahead and step out, the scripture in the Bible that Satan misused with Jesus when he said, cast yourself off the pinnacle of the temple and, you know, cast yourself down. Don't you know that the word of God says that he will give his angels charge over you and he will bear you up lest you dash your foot against a stone? Satan misused that scripture, but that scripture's for you. If you step out on faith, you're not going to be harmed. And if you feel like you might be falling, I have given my angels charge over you, and they will bear you up so that you don't even dash your foot on the ground or a stone. So when you take that leap of faith, you're going to step out on a solid, firm foundation when you step out in faith on Jesus Christ. And I know it may be scary this morning. Some of you may be facing some of the worst fears in your life. I don't know. But I know that if you'll take that leap of faith, you'll be like Peter who got out of the boat. And he, and he, said, he said, Jesus, if, it, if it's you walking on the water, bid me come. And Jesus said, come on. So what did Peter do? He got out of the boat. And guess what he did? He walked on water. Water became solid ground for Peter to walk on. Now, we know the story. He, he looked at the winds and the waves because there was a storm going on, and it was, it was crazy. The tempest was blowing, and, and he got scared. He took his eyes off Jesus. And how many times have we gone forward, and we've gone through certain circumstances, and the storm got so great, and we just, we just drifted our eyes from Jesus, and we felt like we were going to sink. But what happened? All Peter had to do when he started sinking was like, Jesus! He called out to Jesus, and Jesus was right there to pull him back up again. Now, you may have people back in the boat jeering you, but at least you got out of the boat. You didn't hear me. Peter, at least, I mean, we give Peter a hard time, but he's the only one that got out of the boat. And so not to manipulate you in any way, but I believe that these altars need to be open. And Prayer team, I'm I'm assuming that you're here. And uh, prayer team, if you wouldn't mind coming down. And just being available, I know I didn't cue you beforehand, but do we have our prayer team here? And if y'all would get, wouldn't would mind getting in place. And, I, you know, I'm not trying to manipulate or an emotion out of you, and I hope, and that's not what this is. Pastor John is very big on that, and I'm not, and I'm definitely not big on I want you to have a real encounter with God. But how many times in Scripture have we, se- have we seen where people built an altar before the Lord and they sacrificed? They made a sacrifice to the Lord because he brought them through something. And here we're going to build an altar today is what they would say. Jacob said it. Uh, uh, You know, different ones in the Bible, uh, Abraham built altars for the Lord and and different ones that journeyed with the Lord built altars as a representation of this is where God gave me the victory and God established me or God brought me through this or God showed me a truth that that gave me the victory and he, he scattered my enemies and destroyed my enemies and because of that I'm building a memorial that this is dead and gone and I give it to the Lord as a sacrifice knowing that God has brought me through and so I encourage you today as we stand together Go ahead and stand together and as they sing this song that I believe is fitting it's called no longer slaves and in Jesus Christ you are a new creation old things have passed away and behold all things have become new you are no longer a slave if you put your trust in Jesus Christ some of you in this building today may be making that decision for the first time or you may be coming back to the Lord I want to say come home Come to where you know there's salvation, there's redemption, there's a cleansing. There's, come to where you know the Holy Spirit wants to empower you and strengthen you for the journey that you're on. He wants to deliver you from that hurt and that pain and that bitterness. It doesn't matter whether it was someone who said they were a Christian and a man of God or a woman of God or not. That was not God. This is, God is saying, Come home and I want to wrap my arms around you, child. Because I love you and I do have a purpose for you and a plan for your life. Who's willing to take that leap of faith? As they sing this song, I want you to take that leap of faith and say, God, I trust you. God, I trust you. Now, if you're, if you're fighting that within you, you just can't say that, you stay in your seat. But if you want to say, God, I trust you, and I'm taking that leap of faith, then I want you to do that as they sing this song. You unravel me. With the melody,
1: you surround me with a song Of deliverance from my enemies Until all my fears are gone I'm no longer a slave I am a child of God I'm no longer a slave to fear
0: I am a child of God Step out into that freedom Step out into that freedom Take that leap of faith God, I trust you No longer slaves your child of oh, the Most High God,
1: you have chosen me. Love has come my name. I've been born again yes. to your family. Child God, I'm no longer a slave to fear. As I am, a child God.
0: The sun sets free. It's free indeed. There's freedom happening. Let God deliver you from that slavery of the mind. Church, how about we worship?
1: Just
0: praise God for that freedom. Praise God for that freedom deliverance that came in your way, that came into your life. Because you're his child. You're his son. You're his daughter. And he loves you. You Think about it. you let's pray heavenly father we just thank you god for what you've done today thank you for the power of your word that goes forth god that we're your children and that you love us no longer slaves to fear no longer slaves to sin no longer slaves to the destruction and 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 the pain and the hurt the depression god and i just speak healing in the name of jesus christ into every soul and God, I pray that, they, that we would not nurse the grudge, we would not nurse the pain, we would not give life to, uh, to something that is drowning us, God, and, and, and a lie of the enemy that says that we, we can't make it because we can. You split the sea and we walked right through it. And you drowned our fears in perfect love. Perfect love casts out all fear. And God, we thank you for that and we praise you. And we stand and celebrate you today in Jesus' name. Amen god has just lifted you today let's give him praise